Welcome to the latest episode of Pinnacle's NFL Insights. I'm your host, Eric Eager from Sumer Sports, alongside PFF data analyst Ben Brown to help guide you through the world of the NFL with week-to-week reflections and projections. We've made it, Ben, to the NFL playoffs in the wildcard round. But first, let's go back to week 18 and reflect a little bit. Ben, you and I were at a poker tournament a, a smoky place uh everybody was was worried about the flop everybody was worried about their whole cards and you and i were focused we're half focused on our poker game half focus half being an understatement there on the jacksonville jaguars right. versus tennessee titans because then i gave out we gave out 14 to 1 for somebody other than the Tennessee Titans to win the AFC South just a couple weeks ago on the show. And that came through with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And frankly, Ben, that carried me through the entire weekend. Right. I, I mean, it, it was a good week 18, all things considered, I would say. But it started off, I would say, with your Kansas City Chiefs finally covering a football game in dominant fashion against the Las Vegas Raiders. And then, I mean, peak uh, peak run good, I would say, Saturday night with the Jaguars winning but not covering. So we got Joshua Dobbs at the plus six and a half. Uh, we got the middle through the back door as well. So, I mean, you love to see it. I, I don't know if it speaks, I would say, too convincingly to where these Jags are going to end up, I would say, at least as far as like in the AFC playoff picture. But uh, I think they are very much the most exciting team that we could have gotten to represent the AFC South. So I think from that perspective, it's good. I also think, you know, the rest of the, 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 the question marks as far as who is going to get into the playoffs, I thought resolved fairly well. I am excited to see Miami Dolphins led probably Teddy Bridgewater team uh, in the AFC playoff picture as well. I do think they are pretty dynamic offensively still with, you know, Teddy Bridgewater quarterback, but that spread kind of moved, you know, their wildcard matchup kind of moved a little bit in their direction. I'm not sure if that signals, you know, some Tua positive news coming up here in this concussion or not. I would be surprised uh, to see him, but all things considered, I think week 18 wrapped up, um, you know, I-, I would say swimmingly from our betting perspective, at least. Yeah. The only plays that I think we missed, you know, uh, Miami under nine wins push because Miami right. won, uh, of course. And then the Detroit Lions, you know, were not able to get a, a loss by the Seattle Seahawks. They did win out, right? They finished with a winning record. That was a wonderful, wonderful outcome for uh, us, but they did not make the playoffs. It was still a pretty fun weekend. And in fact, Ben, uh, not to, um, you know, uh, brag for you, but you had a very, very good hit. I think a six to one hit on the Browns to, to finish last place in the AFC North. That only happened with a victory by the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday. So that was cool. Um, to your point, though, let's talk about week 18 because college football is over. We don't have any, um, you know, anything more to talk about. Georgia won convincingly against TCU last night. In fact, it was absolutely no fun uh, to talk about that. So right. let's talk uh, as we, we we venture on from week 18 to, uh, you know, the, you know the, the playoffs here. Um, in the AFC, the Kansas City Chiefs are plus 330 to win. Um, the the Super Bowl, the Buffalo Bills are plus 400. Philadelphia is plus 500. San Francisco is plus 501. Cincinnati, the only other team under 10 to 1 at 8 to 1. Um, when you look at the AFC, Kansas City plus 165. The Bills 2 to 1. The Bengals 4 to 1. Chargers 10 to 1. NFC, you have the Eagles at you know plus 170. You have the Niners at plus 190. The Cowboys at 11 to 2. And Tampa Bay at 10 to 1. Do any of those, Ben, you know, signal anything about the market that maybe after 18 weeks, we don't already know. 
Yeah, I would say that either the market, I would say, is still pretty low on the Kansas City Chiefs overall, or they're probably not valuing the number one overall seed and the Chiefs kind of having that first round buy probably as much as this should actually be impacting the playoff outlook. Because I do think the Chiefs at plus 164, um, now currently at Pinnacle.com with the Bills basically 10 cents behind them at plus 175. I think that's a little bit of a mispriced opportunity given where I I kind of have these two teams power ranked, uh, you know, specifically with the Buffalo Bills defense. Um, definitely don't think that that unit, I would say, is kind of trending in the right direction. And from the Kansas City Chiefs perspective, I think they're like a top five PFF coverage grade on the season now, which I, I would say is very much unexpected if you are kind of trying to, you know, power rank where these Kansas City Chiefs are actually strong at. But they have Patrick Mahomes. They have, you know, a receiving unit that is very much figuring it out. Andy Reid as a play caller has been absolutely special, especially in that week 18 match against the Raiders. So I think the Chiefs are clearly ahead of the other two teams in the AFC. Maybe this is a little bit of an expectation of, you know, the neutral site conference championship game, maybe being a little bit, um, you know, of a reason why the Buffalo Bills are getting some love. But from that perspective, I, I, I think the Chiefs are very much, I would say, probably underpriced and undervalued here to win the AFC right now. Yeah, I think so. And I, to me, it's just a, a, a symbol that even though the Chiefs got the one seed, and, and in fact, I've done a lot of Kansas City radio, I've done a lot of you know Twitter spaces trying to show that like the Chiefs got the best of it here uh, by getting the one seed by virtue of you know the the Bills and the and the Bengals not playing that Week 17 game. Um, you know, having to play a neutral side AFC championship game in one instance, and that's if Buffalo wins the next two games is not that much of a concession relative to everybody else. Um, but what this symbols to me, you know, signals to me, Ben, is that the, the Bills would be favored against the Chiefs if they played on a neutral field for the AFC title game. And that, to me, um, maybe that's true. I will say, even as somebody who roots for the Chiefs, when you've watched the Bills the last few weeks, when you've watched the Bengals the last few weeks, those are teams that peaked a little bit earlier. The Chiefs percolating between, you know, under the surface for the last few weeks, I think, are being undervalued here. The Chiefs, by the way, Ben, are a top 10 team in yards per play allowed and a top 10 team in net yards per pass attempt allowed. Sneakily actually had a pretty good defense this year. And as I, as I pointed out on Twitter, they've averaged a full yard per attempt more to wide receivers this year than they did last year, even with Tyree Kill in the passing game. So I think they are being undervalued a little bit here, Ben, and I, I do totally agree with you. Is there anything on the NFC side, uh, you know, that, that really tip, you know, sticks out to you? I, I think to, to the same point, uh, when you look at Kansas City relative to Buffalo, Eagles have the one seed, but the Niners are much closer to them in odds than that would imply. I think if you have the Niners and the Eagles on a neutral, I, I think that the Niners would be favored. Don't you agree? Yeah, I, I think it would definitely be favored. I do think if we see that matchup in the conference championship round, though, and, and it is in Philadelphia, like... I would be surprised if San Francisco was still, you know, like the money line favorite in that particular situation. I think that's a spot where we'd probably see one, you know, minus one to maybe even a pick them for the Philadelphia Eagles at home uh, in that particular matchup. So I, I do think that, you know, this is still a spot where the market maybe isn't fully pricing in, you know, the value of the number one seed in comparison to kind of where we see that landing. So I, I don't know if I really want to buy into the Eagles because kind of like what you touched on with the Chiefs and the Bills and the Bengals, like the, 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 the Eagles, I would say very much probably peaked too early and they very much probably peaked, you know, seven or so weeks ago and have kind of been in a little bit of a free fall ever since then. In some ways, the 49ers are 
are still peaking right now. The Cowboys, you know, for all intents and purposes, kind of had to have Jacqueline Hyde type performances on a weekly in almost a weekly basis. So they're a team that I think is kind of tough to buy into as well. So it's hard for me to not go back to it, but I do think like the Buccaneers and the Vikings are probably the teams that I would be sprinkling some, you know, decent long shot action on. Cause I do think the NFC is very much wide open. I think you can make a case for why either one of those two teams could potentially maybe, you know, it might take them winning a game that they probably shouldn't or don't belong in or actually, you know, aren't deserving of winning. But if that happens, um, you know, they're still set up, I would say, quite well to probably win that NFC. So I like I, I I do kind of lean in Dallas's direction if you are getting like a minus two and a half price on the spread against Tampa Bay this weekend. But that but that number at plus three, I think, you know, was definitely a spot where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were a buying opportunity. So it'll be interesting. I think if I think if Tampa Bay gets through Dallas here, uh, they're very much going to be a dangerous team. But I also think there's probably a case to be made for Dallas being the correct spot if it is minus two and a half as we get towards kickoff. Yeah, for sure. I think you can only really grab Tampa Bay if they're three or better. I think the same thing is true about the the, the New York Giants. So to your point with uh, the Vikings and the Bucks, or sorry, the Vikings and Dallas, uh, those are two teams where if you're getting less than a field goal with them, they might be the play. Um, just a, you know, you have to do this calculation for yourself, and it's there's a little bit of art to it um, because you don't know who the second opponents are going to be for the Vikings and Cowboys. But one thing I would advise people before you place a futures bet uh, is to think about a money line rollover instead. Um, just because again, you have more outs in that situation where if you, if you, you know, let's say there's an injury, but the team is making a run, you can always buy out of a team, um, during the middle of that relative or just even like pull your money away relative to having, let's say a 10 to one uh, on the team of your choice and having to sort of do a weird little hedge there. So just do the, do that for yourself. In most cases, the money line rollover makes more sense than betting the future itself. But uh, there are other cases where that's not the case. And in fact, it just also depends upon how you handicap the other games uh, and who the uh, play, you know team is going to face. Let's go to Q and A, and and we did. You know, it was so, it's so funny. Uh, tweeted out, uh, I think drawings of us and Ben. I think you come out a lot more favorably than me, but that makes sense. Uh, in in uh, in that time, uh, like uh, I guess tweet, is what he said. Yeah, uh, from from Pinnacle. Um, but we got a uh, a few good uh, questions. So at Joe Flag, the best value to win the Super Bowl as of right now, I think you said Kansas City, Ben. Um, when I look at this, uh, you know, slate right now, and I'm looking at, you know, who, who's the best team to win the Super Bowl? You know, I probably, when I'm looking at this, have to take a stab at somebody like the Los Angeles Chargers at 23 to one. I don't like the fact that Brandon Staley played his starters in week 18 against Denver. I don't like that they lost despite that. Uh, for sure. Um, but for the most part, that team had been ascending and had been getting healthier. They do have a great quarterback. Now they're going to have to go on the road for all of their games for, for the most part in the AFC playoffs. But I do think that they're incredibly uh, tricky uh, to deal with right now of the teams that are like 20 to one or better. You're looking at these quarterbacks, you know, you have Herbert, right. you have Brady, you know, cousins. I'm not really betting on Lamar, probably not playing at 40 to one with Baltimore. Lawrence is a good opportunity, but I don't think the Jags have what it takes. And then the Giants, Dolphins and Seahawks really, I don't think are, are in contention. So among teams that are 21 or better, I do like the Chargers the most. 
Yeah, I, I can definitely agree with that. I also think like the Cowboys are probably a little bit overvalued at even 13 to one there. So I would probably bucket them a little bit closer to the Los Angeles Chargers. And if I'm choosing, you know, the Cowboys or the Chargers, the only reason I would ever want to buy in to the Cowboys is basically their path to the NFC. I think is a lot more clear than what the Chargers are yeah. going to be facing off against. But I'm with you. It's it's kind of the Chargers are bust. Maybe you think. You know, Tom Brady has one more run uh, left in him and maybe he gets to the Super Bowl and you can hedge from that angle. But uh, I just I, I I know people want to buy into the Buccaneers, especially after, you know, somewhat of a a, a decent offensive performance from the past couple of weeks. But uh, I, I very much think that the matchup situation with what they're going to face in Dallas, you know, could very easily, I would say, kind of find them uh, a one and done in this playoff picture, I would say. Yeah, for sure. So uh, this actually, you know, comes back to a, a question from Brad Brenner at Brad Brenner on Twitter. How significant could the injuries to Boston and Williams be for the Chargers? How just how great is their head coach, and do they beat the Jags? Well, like I don't think that their head coach showed a it showed me a lot here, right? Like I think playing your starters in a week, especially when you're the Chargers, and holy buckets. Uh, you've dealt with injuries forever. Would you even tempt that fate to me? Like, I think right. Chase Daniel, especially with the Ravens losing in the one o'clock hour and you being absolutely, completely 100% locked into the five seed, I don't understand why you're even playing your starters in that case. So, um, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, Bosa and, and Williams would be catastrophic. I think when you've looked at this market, um, you, 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 you know, next week and, and we'll kind of, you know, blend those things together. Uh, the night game on Saturday, the Chargers are minus one, minus 118, minus 126 on the money line against the Jags. Like this has gone down a little bit, uh, towards Jacksonville in large part because these injuries do matter. Right. Right, right. I mean, I mean, they matter quite a bit, right? And obviously, they did not practice with Mike Williams today. It is very much the worst case scenario, basically, for the Chargers kind of heading out of that Week 18 gaming. Kind of like you said, like it, it was not needed, unnecessary. And, and I think, you know, to the second point of this question, just how great is the he- their head coach? Like the, some of it is just so baffling, right? Like it, it very much is the fact that he has definitely taken a step back this season on a lot of the in-game stuff, but even some of these not necessarily like analytic type decisions, but just the fact that he's not really, really succeeding in kind of a valued way this team is currently at and what they actually need in order to kind of be successful in a playoff type, you know, uh, on a playoff type run like that's That's got to be the concerning part long term. So uh, although Brandon Staley was maybe a little bit of an analytic star than last year, I think the shine has very much worn off this year. And in some ways, he could be, you know, one of one of the one of the bigger reasons for why this team is being held back more so than what it actually should be, I would say. Yeah, for sure. So let's let's take one more question from Ross McPherson on Twitter. Uh, who out of the wildcard weekend lineup will go on the deepest run? He puts in he he puts in parentheses. I'm thinking the Jaguars as they have serious momentum. Six wins out of last seven, and they have Dougie P at the helm. He knows how to navigate the playoffs. I, I mean, that's a good one. Um, you know, you and I were both all over the Jags, you know, preseason, but also midseason. Like we saw the path. Uh, and not only did the Jags get in with like a crap, they, they won nine games. Like they, they won out basically from, from four and eight. And, and, you know, they were three and seven, um, after a loss to the Chiefs. So, um, you know, the only team that beat them was the mighty Detroit Lions in Detroit. Uh, you know, uh, on this run. So there's certainly, I, I think, a team uh, that, that has something to them. Seattle, uh, you know, Miami, Baltimore, 
Uh, I don't think really have it in them. I think the easy choice is, of course, the team that's favored this week, which is Dallas minus two and a half, minus one one ten against the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Ben, that, that seems like the easiest choice, right? Yeah, it's probably the easiest choice. I'm sure that's the one that everyone's going to grab today too. But I don't know. The Jags kind of. I haven't been overly impressed since the Cam Robinson injury. It does seem like, you know, they very much won the the match against the Titans because of their defense and because of the fumble situation that resulted in a, you know, uh, a, a touchdown for them. But like we, we haven't seen, I would say this offense really hitting on all cylinders since that Cam Robinson injury. And I don't think that, you know, the receiving unit is probably as good as advertised, except especially if they need to kind of win in, in quick separation early on because Trevor Lawrence is under duress. So I'm worried about the Chargers, especially if, or I'm worried about the Jags, especially if Joey Bosa is, you know, completely healthy playing back to his dominant self. And I think that's probably the reason why the Chargers, you know, ha- have seen some at least early week betting action on that spread, moving it out to minus two, basically. But I don't know. I, I think if I was choosing right now, I'd probably lead Chargers over Jags to kind of be, um, I, I would say that preferred team in the wild card round, but we do actually have one more question as well. Cover three sky, Uh-oh. I think as an interesting one. I think I should ask you this because I know you're, this is more your area of expertise, but how much does playoff success participation actually impacts impact teams ability to attract free agents? Consider the bucks. Do you think the fact that they made the playoffs will ultimately help them or hurt them? I.e., is the loss of draft positioning offset by greater free agency pull. Yeah, I think, honestly, the fact that, you know, Florida doesn't have state income tax matters a lot more than whatever the heck that the Bucks do in the playoffs or or, or in the regular season. So right. um, my thought is no. Um, in fact, you know, you do see a little bit of a bump in college football. Like TCU had something like a 30% increase in uh, applications after, you know, making the college football playoffs so that and, and then winning in it. Um, but I think for NFL, it's it's really about market size. It's really about you know getting to play with a certain quarterback. Although right. you know we, we haven't seen that necessarily be the case with Mahomes in Kansas City. Uh, Juju uh, turned down the Chiefs last year before coming this year on a desperation move. So no, I, I you know I think ultimately players are almost all you know. Um, motivated by who's going to pay them the most and, right. you know, yeah. and how well they're going to fit. So I, I think the answer is no, uh, but that's a really good question by cover three sky there. Let's talk about week 19. Let's talk about these games briefly. Um, you know, we'll go through them sort of in order. Uh, Seattle Seahawks uh, plus 10 minus 113. And in most markets, by the way, Ben, you're seeing this at nine and a half. So this is an example of where Pinnacle is giving you for the underdog uh, a half a point, you know, it is, pricey, but a half a point better than you're getting the rest of the market. What do you think about this game, Ben? Total uh, on this game, let me look here uh, really quickly. Total on this game uh, is 43, Ben. Shaded to the under, though, Ben. What do you think about this game? Yeah, definitely a plus 10. I I like Seattle here in this spot. I think it's obviously going to be a little bit more difficult than what probably even the betting market projects. I do think, you know, if, if the 49ers are going to you know, have the quote unquote bad game or the bad Brock Purdy game. Like I think it's going to happen early. I think it could easily happen against the division rival. And I think they are going to be at least somewhat set up to take advantage. So I like Seattle. I think, you know, they haven't necessarily been overly efficient offensively, especially when facing off against San Francisco. But I I have to believe that, you know, at at some point, like the, 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 the early season 
progress of what Geno Smith put forth is maybe going to rear its head again here. So I like the Seahawks plus 10 plus nine and a half. I think if you're taking a flyer on a long shot money line uh, in the wild card round, I also like the Seahawks uh, potentially on that. I don't know. I, 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 it's obviously going to be weird, but I expect the yeah. NFC to be chaotic. I would say, especially to start off here. So I don't hate this and the market certainly has moved in that direction, but there is one data point. You look at at Sumer sports, uh, doc, you know, my, my current uh, employer and, and the, the Twitter account uh, that I run for them. Um, if you look at average air yards on all targeted passes, the Niners are one of the bottom five teams in the NFL, but they are tops in average yak on all completed passes with over seven yards yak. They're over the Panthers and over the Chiefs at, at two of the, the highest teams. When you look at defense, um, there's only one team in the NFL, and that is the Arizona Cardinals that gives up more yak on all completed passes than the Seattle Seahawks. So when I think about this game, that is one matchup where, you know, Brock Purdy, obviously, you know, is young, you know, not necessarily the greatest quarterback in the world, but could hurt them uh, on the shorter passes that end up being longer gains. Uh, in that one. So that's the only one that I'm a little bit worried about. So uh, I t- I would take, you know, Seattle at plus 10 if it was, you know, kind of minus 113 or cheaper, which is what it is. But I don't necessarily know if I'm not getting a full 10 if I would take Seattle. Um, next up, the Chargers that we said before, minus 126 on the road against the Jaguars. Ben, what do you think about this game? Yeah, I know we, I, I, we've talked about this one quite a bit, but I think the Joey Bosa match is obviously going to be the key if he is fully back and in the fold and healthy and everything else. Uh, the Chargers just have way too much talent, I would say, to let this one slip away. Wasn't really overly impressed with the Jaguars win, uh, you know, against the Titans last week. So very much, I would say, even though they've kind of been trending right the last four weeks, uh, I, I just think that the Chargers probably have a higher peak than what the Jaguars put forth right now. So give me Los Angeles minus one and a half. Uh, I think is what it's at on Pentacle right now. Actually, actually minus one, minus one eighteen, which um, you know I would say is probably another pretty good price if you're looking at uh, looking at, especially from the Chargers' perspective. So I, I like the Chargers. You, so you, you got to be on that one. You can find me dead. You couldn't find me dead betting the Chargers right now in a game they need to win against a team that's plucky. I, I agree. I don't. I'm not betting the Jaguars in this one, even at you know plus money, um, even with all their talent, but. The Chargers just do too many things wrong. And, you know, I know they have a great quarterback, um, but, you know, they do whatever is necessary, I feel like, to suppress Justin Herbert. So this is another game where, you know, the road team is probably the right side, um, but you're not going to find me betting it. Speaking of another road team, Miami now plus 10, minus 130. This does look like Tua Tungabailoa. Uh, is playing uh, as far as the number is concerned. It opened at 10 and a half. Um, They go to Buffalo. Um, Bills, in my opinion, are the best team in the NFL. They don't get the one seed by virtue of the fact that their game was a no contest against Buffalo and that air, sorry, against Cincinnati, uh, and so forth. Ben, what do you think of this game? I honestly, do you think this is actually like positive to a news here? Cause the, the, that is like the perplexing thing for me. Cause I thought it would move further going from like maybe assumed to be Skylar Thompson to going from two. I thought would maybe be it. So I don't know. Maybe it's positive Teddy Bridgewater news, but I don't. I don't love Miami at anything below 10, which just seems like it's very much, I would say, kind of heading towards. So at minus 130 plus 10, basically for Miami, I, I'm not touching that spot. I'd probably wait for something 
Um, you know, a little bit further on down, if we do get confirmation of Tua's, uh, you know, situation, obviously that's going to change things if he is in the fold. But um, I, I'm not going to hope to grasp at straws, given that we haven't heard, I would say, any inclination that he is going to be ready uh, for why this movement happened. So I'm probably just laying off this one. If I if I wasn't going to bet anything, I'd probably be shopping for some bills minus nine and a half, I would say. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. This is a game that I actually like, Ben. This is at our hometown, Minnesota, uh, you know, Minneapolis. Uh, the, the Giants getting three minus 101. Um, total is in the upper 40s, 48 and a half, I believe. Um, I, I'm all over the Giants on this one, right? Like we saw this game played a couple weeks ago already. We were given that privilege. Um, and, you know, the Giants lost by three out of last second, 60 yard field goal by the Vikings. Since then, Brian O'Neill has gotten hurt, the right tackle. The Vikings were exposed in Green Bay. Um, they played just a half a game against Chicago. It didn't look particularly great. Ben, uh, are you on the same train as me getting a cheap three on the, on the New York Giants in Minnesota? I'm waiting for minus two and a half. I know Pentacle isn't signaling that they're going to get there, but I have seen some other books potentially move in that direction. But I don't know. I, I mean, the, the the Giants were very much the Vikings before the Vikings became this like popular team that is not as good as everyone projects or whatever, right? I think maybe that's a little bit overstated, but going back to it, I think you can glean a lot of information from how that Week 16 game played out. And going and going back to it, like the Vikings couldn't get a stop when they absolutely needed to. They had to have a Patrick Peterson interception probably to win this game, which has been. You know, in some ways, their their mo, I would say, to kind of pull out some of these victories is Patrick Peterson making a big play. You know, after they've given up a ton of chunk yards, but so they got they got that play. They had, the, I think, there was a blocked punt as well that kind of swung in the direction an early fumble as well. So a lot of things stacked up correctly. I do think the Giants were probably the better team in that matchup. Um, you know, Rich, Ricky James, basically, and Isaiah Hodgins, very much, I would say, it exposed a, a, a what should have been a healthy Vikings secondary, and I think. That's got to be the concern once again, right? If they can't figure that out, like it, it doesn't matter how many targets or how many receptions Justin Jefferson has. They they really don't seem to be able to get a stop when they absolutely need it unless they kind of get that high variance turnover type play. So I'm worried about the Vikings, but if it moves to minus two and a half, um, I, I I still think it's probably just a little bit short because I do think Justin, Justin Jefferson, probably the best player in the football field and Kirk very much, I would say, Kind of, kind of showed the desire. I would say to highlight him in this in their Week 16 matchup, and I think that's probably got to carry forth in a very winnable uh, matchup for Justin Jefferson. So Vikings minus two and a half. If it's plus three, you know the, the Giants. I would say are very much the only side you can bet. Yeah, for sure. And and speaking of a number that's moved a little bit, the Ravens. Uh, they go on the road to face the Bengals. This thing opened at six and a half. It is now seven. Uh, basically, even at, on both sides, minus 107 to the Ravens, minus 105 to the Bengals. Um, when you look at the, the total of this game, that might give you a little bit more of an indication as to who's playing quarterback for the Ravens. Uh, 42 and a half to the over minus 103 to the under minus 109. This feels like a Tyler Hundley line and not a Lamar Jackson line. We've seen big bets on the Ravens, but we've seen numbers move towards the Bengals, Ben. This is the third time they've met. Um, you know, the Bengals did everything they could uh, to let the let the Ravens cover last week. Uh, the Ravens did cover close at 11 and a half, but did not cover um, some of the early numbers, uh, namely, you know, seven and a half and all the way up to 10 and a half. Um, this one's weird, but I do think the Bengals pull it out. I don't know if I could bet the Bengals, though. Uh, this, this is maybe the last game that we see the Ravens have Lamar Jackson, whether he's healthy or not. This is a weird one. Yeah, very weird one. I do think, you know, drifting out to minus seven 
the really the only play unless you want to get involved with the over is probably the, to tease the Bengals down, you know, to minus one, especially if you do like Tampa Bay in that Monday night game, you could tease that up to eight and a half. That's a pretty sound teaser. We have seen, you know, teasers hit at a pretty extraordinary rate in the, in the playoffs time when we have actually had those opportunities in prior seasons. So very much with, you know, markets and numbers moving to a more efficient equilibrium. I do think teasing can definitely make some sense. So getting the, you know, the Bengals off from, you know, minus seven down to minus one it is a spot that I probably would play this one. I don't really feel comfortable laying a full touchdown, you know, until we have confirmation that it very much is Tyler Huntley in the fold and not Lamar Jackson, even though kind of like you said, the number very much indicates that that's the direction that the Ravens are going to be headed in this matchup. Yeah, very much so. All right. Lastly, and you talked about this a little bit, Dallas laying two and a half minus 110 kind of trending towards three at on the road against Tampa Bay. This is a game you know, the Bucks went to Dallas First game of the season, absolutely killed the the Cowboys. Dak got hurt. Everything was for naught there. Uh, Cooper Rush obviously came in, won all but one of his starts. Dak's come back and like led the NFL in interceptions despite not playing in, in those five games. Um, this one's weird because I can see it go, going both ways. I think if you can get a three with Tampa Bay, you really have to take it. But um, Dallas does have a lot of ingredients of a great team. And, you know, you can make the case that Dak Prescott, when he's on, is the best quarterback in the NFC playoffs right now. So uh, what do you say uh, about this game before we move on here, Ben? Yeah, even even with like a really poor Dak performance once again here, I do think the Dallas Cowboys defense, you know, kind of backs against the wall last week against Washington very much showed just how good they actually are. And I, and if you don't think that they are, you know, probably the second best defense in the NFC in this playoff picture specifically, like uh, I, I don't know what to tell you. Cause I do think that they have it, especially, you know, defensively along the front four can obviously generate pressure at the highest rate in football. Uh, I do think if, you know, Ryan Jensen isn't back and in the fold for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they are going to be missing what it sounds like they're probably going to be missing, um, you know, backup Robert, uh, Robert Hainsley, who basically did get banged up with a hamstring injury uh, in that week 18 matchup. So if they're allowing a ton of interior pressure against the best pressure team in the NFL like that, it, it, it might not matter how bad Dak Prescott is, because I do think the Cowboys could easily win this one defensively alone. So I don't know. I I do agree with you. I think Tampa is the only side of plus three. But now that we are seeing some two and a half pop up into the market, um, I, I think that's a spot where I'd probably lean in Dallas's direction and maybe even you know, wouldn't mind getting on something like a first half spread for Dallas and kind of seeing how that one progresses. I think that Pentacle has that at like minus one and a half, minus 101 for the price for Dallas on the first half spread. That's probably the spot where I'd be playing this game right now. Yeah, for sure. And, and I'm just so excited for this playoff weekend. Uh, now that, you know, we have, you know, more, you know, six games, I think it has become the best weekend. Obviously, that Dallas, you know, Tampa Bay game is going to be Monday night, uh, which is a lot of fun. You and I, when we were both at Pro Football Focus, used to do these live betting shows. And last year, the Monday night, the first ever one was a dud between Arizona and, and Los Angeles. I think this one's going to be a little bit better than that. Speaking of a dud, Ben, Georgia 65, TCU 7. I liked under 63 and a half in this game. It did not hit, of course, uh, mostly because Georgia could not be stopped against TCU. Right. What's next for Stetson Bennett? I mean, he's going to get drafted at some point. He might be drafted to be like, you know, Tom Brady's backup or something like that. I do think it would be a fitting, uh, a fitting career arc for him at this point in time. But yeah, I don't know exactly what round he's going to land in. I would say the 
third or the fourth round is probably a decent spot for him. But, um, you know, a lot of the guys that I thought were intriguing mid mid round draft prospects at the quarterback position are, are, are kind of opting back in and going the NIL route. And I do think that's going to create, you know, more opportunities for some of these guys who maybe would have fallen further down draft boards, you know, especially this year with NIL kind of taking over um, definitely creates an opportunity for guys like Stetson Bennett. But I don't know. I, I don't really see, you know, a, a, a long-term career for him being really successful at the NFL level outside of being, you know, a, a pretty sound backup quarterback. But I don't know. I, I was with you on the under. Thankfully, I had Georgia first half as well, which kind of paid, you know, at, at least allowed me to break even on the matchup. But uh, Georgia was a house, man. I think this, you know, is very much the start of uh, what could be a very dominating time period for them, specifically in college football. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, they were so good. And, and you know, you and I have given out winners uh, all all year on this show. One loser that we did give out was South Dakota State. Uh, we like North Dakota State getting, you know, five, five and a half or so. Okay. Uh, it opened at three and a half. Our numbers made it two and a half. Our numbers were wrong. Uh, South Dakota State absolutely killed uh, North Dakota State. Um, it got to seven to seven. I was like, okay, Ben, if something's happening here, it got right. to 28, seven really fast, Ben. And, and, uh, it ended 45, 21. Um, you know, South Dakota State is just a better team. I think they have an NFL tight end. Uh, North Dakota State just can't really pass the football. So that was really the, the end result there. I don't know if you watched much of that, Ben. I do know you did have some on North Dakota State, which, of, which of course is unfortunate. Um, but, uh, that was all my fault, uh, because I, I handicapped the game and I like North Dakota State. So, uh, that was a loser. Um, basically we're done with, with NCAA college football. Ben, do you have any sort of, you know, overarching view on not only the FBS, but the FCS this year. I mean, it was fun, right? I think this was probably the first year that we consistently bet the FCS. I thought it went, you know, quite well. I do think it creates, you know, a a number of opportunities and markets that are definitely overlooked to find some value. And I do think that, you know, continuing on it, you know, in that area, especially on some first half numbers for some of those teams, I think makes a lot of sense. So I enjoyed the FCS. I do think, you know, I have a, I have a, I have a pretty close friend who works at South Dakota States um, at the school as a coach, as a soccer coach. And, you know, he was texting me the whole time questioning why I would ever bet North Dakota State. So I got it from, you know, a number of different angles, basically. I had to, you know, uh, not only let my friends down, but I had to let my bankroll down as well, unfortunately, on that one. But we'll, we'll, we'll learn. We're, we're, we're obviously going to rebound a little bit here. FCS can't come soon enough. Unfortunately, you know, we're not going to get any spring FCS uh, like we did a couple of years ago, but we will have the XFL, you know, and, and a couple other, I would say, spring leagues to talk about football wise coming up here uh, relatively soon as well. Yeah, XFL, USFL, Pinnacle, if you want us to do a show on those, we will, uh, at least sparingly here. But that was the NFL Insights for another week. Um, we're at Pinnacle Podcast on all platforms to follow and keep up to date on all Pinnacle's latest shows. Plus, to keep across Pinnacle's betting resources page for Ben's latest article, delving into everything NFL playoffs with a detailed betting analysis of each team. Ben, I remember when we were young and you were writing about fantasy football and I would help come in and help with uh, ownership projections. Now you're writing for the best sports book in the world. I'm really proud of you there. So, um, you know, thanks for listening. We'll be back before the championship games. Odds are correct as time of the recording. Please gamble responsibly. So for Ben Brown at PFF underscore Ben Brown on Twitter, I'm Eric Eager at Eric Eager underscore. Thanks for listening to NFL Insights Podcast from Pinnacle. 